And Lord willing, this morning we're going to cover verses 1 through 24. As we look kind of at the Christmas story, you might be wondering, wait a minute, Manny, it's not Christmas yet. Um, And we're going to have our Christmas service on the Thursday before Christmas because it falls on a Saturday this year. Um, But, you know, we're just working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and today this is where God has us. Now, it's kind of cool, though, because the timing might be uh, just right for some of you who might be veering off the the deep end, man. Because a lot of times when it comes to holidays and right after Thanksgiving, they have Black Friday and, you know, you start shopping. You go to Toys R Us at 2 o'clock in the morning or stuff like that, you know. You buy a million Christmas cards and you bake tamales, please give us some, and cookies and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, you know, you're running around with like a chicken without a head. And you have forgotten the focus. And so it's kind of cool. Right here, after Thanksgiving, the Lord, He kind of wants to set us on the right path. That during this holiday season, as we listen to the music of Christmas, that we remember it's the music of love. That God sent His Son. That our focus would be on Jesus. And it's so cool how He sets us where we need to be. And uh, and I just pray you guys would keep your heart, protect your heart right there. Because... Uh, the Bible says that out of it spring the issues of life. And so, you know, this, how many of you guys remember that band Striper? Just out of curiosity. The old band. Some of you old folkies like me, okay? Uh, they were a heavy metal band. One of the first heavy metal bands that were Christian. And they had a great song. It's called, He is the Reason for the Season. Um, he is the Reason for Today. And uh, uh, how many of you guys put up lights in your house? Just out of curiosity. It's Christmas lights. Some of you do. I want to challenge you this year. If you do, and if you have a little, you know, mechanical inclination or whatever, put up a sign, a big white sign with big black letters that says Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason for every season. And light it up and tell your neighbors. I'm going to try to do that and keep me accountable. But I, more than that, more than putting up a sign is I want that to be my heart. And uh, I know that during the holiday season, some people get bummed out. Um, It's just, you know, I don't know why for sure, you know, maybe it's because uh, things have happened and it just kind of triggers certain emotions within us. Uh, If that's you today, we're going to pray for you before the day's over. But I know for me, I love Christmas season. I just love it. I was telling my kids, I'm so excited. We're listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman. We're listening to, he's got a great, great CD on Christmas and just uh, celebrating the life that when this child was born, that right there bundled in this little manger was our Savior. You know how God came in, how God invaded time, how he traveled. Not only we're going to see today from, you know, Nazareth to Bethlehem and not just from, you know, heaven to earth, but he travels from our, our brain, our head to our heart. And when that when we see that, you know, everything is just, is just so awesome and it all comes together. And so right here in Luke 2, we're going to read in verses 1 through 7, the incarnation. In verses 8 through 14, the revelation. And then in verses 15 and 16, investigation. Verses 17 through 20, proclamation. And then we'll close today in verses 21 through 24 with dedication. But first, the incarnation. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now here in verse 1 and 2, Luke mentions the human rulers of the day, Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and he specifically brings up a decree that went out for all the world to be registered. Undoubtedly, this was for the purpose of taxation. And so think about it. It's kind of a bummer, huh? Um, you know, you get the notice. The president goes on television. He says, okay, everybody, tax time, you know, extra taxes. And, and so it's kind of a bummer. Unplanned taxes and brings unplanned travel. These rulers seemingly abusing their authority. And so what happens? We read in verse 4 that Joseph goes up from Galilee out of Nazareth and into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. And so he travels. We know uh, it's probably somewhere around 70 to 80 miles. Not an easy journey. Um, But he goes, and he didn't go alone. He brought his betrothed wife, Mary, who at this time was pretty close to her due date. And so she made the journey with him, not an easy task, especially when you consider the fact that these were probably a couple of teenagers. And so we read there in verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And so the day comes, the baby comes, their son is wrapped in strips of cloth, something that would be common in those days, but something that was not so common, we see here that her baby was laid in a manger, and more specifically, it was an animal feeding trough. And the explanation is given right there, because there was no room for them in the end. And so, you know, you read this story, and and really, you guys, if you just kind of look at that, just at face value, um, you know, it has a few, you know, elements to it, but it's, it's pretty simple, huh? Pretty simple, pretty humble, pretty quiet, pretty normal. And so here we are, we're 2,000 years later, and we're like, well, why are we still celebrating this birth? Why is it from, you know, one end of the planet to the other? Such a, a big thing is made about it. Well, it's here we move from the incarnation to the revelation. Because look what happens in verse 8. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. You see, there's a revelation. Um, Something we've seen often in Luke is that the angels intervene. And they appear here to the shepherds who are watching over their flocks by night. First is just one angel, and he stands before him, and the glory of the Lord, it says, shines around them. 
And so we read in verse 9, it says right there, they were greatly afraid, and that's understandably so. But again, as we read often in the Gospel of Luke, the angel tells them immediately, do not be afraid. I come with good tidings of great joy for all people. And here we begin to see really what the revelation is all about. We see that there's good news of great joy for everyone. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And so the simple, humble, quiet, normal birth in Bethlehem was not that simple after all. And what we see as we begin now to study this, you guys, is this is reason for celebration. Because the one who was born on that day, on that night, is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. And look again. We're going to focus now on three titles right here. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David, number one, a Savior, number two, who is Christ, and then number three, the Lord. And so this is why we celebrate Christmas, you guys. You know, you look at the normal, simple, humble birth and you're like, well, what what really happened? Why are we still buying all these gifts? They say the average family spends $700 on Christmas. And I'm like, man, I wish I was the average family, you know. Um, why is it, you guys? And, and I think you know, and obviously you know, um, but it's because God came. It's because God came to earth. Because God came to, you know, our life. God came to our heart. God came as our Savior. God came as the Christ. God came as the King. And when we look at this, it's so cool, you guys, to see. You know, number one, He's our Savior. And, you know, we really, I think, sometimes even that title might get old. You know, what has Christ saved you from? And we know the answer to that is He saves us from sin. He saves us from the penalty of sin. He saves us from the power of sin. He saves us from the penalty of sin, which is hell. And he saves us from the power of sin, which is hell on earth. That Christ came and saved us from sin. As a matter of fact, we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a big emotional thing. It's just a realization today as we sit here, we are saved from our sins. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. You know, I don't know if you guys ever think about that. I don't know if you think about, you know, where you were headed and where you were headed without hope. But, you know, the reason that I think we should totally live our life for Christ is because He has saved us. From our sin. You know, the reason that we should sing, the reason that we should worship is because He has saved us from our sin. The the penalty of sin. The power of sin. And I think a lot of times we get so busy in life that we don't take time for that type of contemplation. And we don't really have a proper realization of what God has done for us. You know, the angel knows all about it. I bring you good tidings, you know, great tidings, great joy for all people that there is born to you in the city of David a Savior. You see, and for us, you guys, I pray that that would really penetrate our hearts. I love that song. I I wish I could sing it to you, ma'am, but 
Um, Mercy Me does a really good job in their Christmas CD. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. You know, and I know Christmas, it musters up certain emotions and memories, man, but you know what? This can heal us. This can bring us up out of the pit no matter where we're at. This is tidings of comfort and joy because your Savior was given to you on that Christmas day. You know, we know the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 talks about that. But in Christ, we have life. He's the bread of life. As a matter of fact, that's why he was born in Bethlehem because the, the town Bethlehem, it means house of bread. Bread symbolizing what's necessary to sustain life. Jesus said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You know, ultimately, it wasn't Augustus who got this couple to Bethlehem. It was the Almighty. The baby to be born was to be the bread of life, and so God moved them to Bethlehem. God moved them to the house of bread at just the right time. And you guys probably know in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, there's that prophecy, 700 years before Christ was born, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. It was in Bethlehem. It wasn't Augustus that got him there. It wasn't the taxes that got him there. It was the Lord, totally on the throne, you guys. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. You know, number one, he's the Savior. Uh, Number two, it says there in verse 11, he is the Christ. What does that mean, you guys? Is that Jesus' uh, middle name? Is that his last name? You know, but we know that Christ, it means the anointed one, huh? It's that christening, and that's who he is. He's our Savior. He is the Christ. Now, as the anointed one, um, we now go back to the Old Testament. We find that there are three offices in the Old Testament that were anointed. Number one was the prophet. Number two was the priest. And number three was the king. And Jesus fulfills all of them. Now, what did you get for Christmas? Oh, I got a train set. Oh, I remember that. It was really cool. It's broken now. <laughs> what did you get for Christmas? I got a bicycle. Where is it? I don't know. It's rusted. I sold it at a yard sale. You know, what would you get for Christmas? I remember I got my wife some expensive guest jeans, and she, she loved them, man. Guess where they're at? I don't know, you know. I mean, you know, you can go through all the different things that you got for Christmas, so you gave to your kids for Christmas, and cool, I encourage you to do that. Don't be a Grinch, okay? <laughs> but, man, remember what we really got for Christmas. You got a Savior. You got the Christ, the anointed prophet, priest and king you know as a prophet what does a prophet do well he speaks god's word he doesn't speak psychology or sociology he speaks god's word he doesn't give theories or opinions he speaks god's word and christ as the prophet was the prophet of prophets as a matter of fact it was uh, prophesied regarding him in deuteronomy 18 i will raise up 
for they may profit like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. You know, if God was ever to become a man, he would definitely speak the greatest words ever spoken. And that's what Jesus has done. Read your Bible. You know, I encourage you, read your Bible. You know, Chuck Smith has a really cool Bible. It's called the Word for Today Bible. And I like it a lot. But my brother-in-law, you know, he, he bought it for me and he bought himself a copy. And he was kind of like complaining. He said, oh, man, but the words of Christ aren't in red, you know. And, um, I mean, it's cool when you got the words of Christ in red, you know, because you know specifically that those are Jesus' words. But remember this, the whole Bible is Jesus' words. But when you come now to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I encourage you guys to, to read your Bible. You know, some of you here are going through struggles. You're going through problems. And you know what? The, the simplicity of it is you just need to get back into the Word. You know, you open the, the Bible with your family. You open the Bible to start your day. And it's almost like symbolically saying, God, I open my heart. I open my heart to you because I know this, that Christ came as the anointed prophet. As a prophet, he's the messenger. You know, if you read over in Hebrews chapter 1, it says in verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. See, and although those other prophets were ordained by God, there's something special about this prophet. Why? Because he's the son. You see, he's the savior. The angel came. Hark, the herald angel sings, right? The angel came with a revelation. It wasn't just a normal, humble, simple birth. It was the savior who came. It was the Christ. He is the Christ. And as the Christ, he's the anointed prophet. And so what that means is that he has a message for us to listen to. Are you listening to Jesus? Are you really listening to Jesus? Hebrews chapter 2 goes on to say in verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward... How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You see, we got to make sure that we don't neglect this message from the Christ, the anointed prophet, the anointed priest. According to the order of Melchizedek, he went in and he offered his own blood. What's a priest? A priest is a mediator. He connects us to God. You see, as the prophet, he's the messenger. As the priest, he's the mediator. And then as the king, he's the master. You know, another reason he was born in Bethlehem is because it was the city of David. And we know that David was the king under whom God's people were blessed. They were not only blessed, they were, they were blessed, if I could say that, man. It was awesome when King David ruled over Israel. You know, and that's what we need in our life. We need to crown him king once again, huh? You know, when we live our life into, you know, subjection to this king, we're going to find that life comes together. King David was the king who was kind. King David was the king who cared. 
He was the leader who loved and led the people to God. He was the sure king. He was the shepherd king. And the prophets prophesied to the people that one day the descendant of David would come and rule with the heart of David. You know, and and I don't know if you guys ever think about these titles of Christ, but man, as we embark upon this Christmas season, you know, I encourage you guys to just meditate on what the angel said. You know, nowadays, if you want to, you can listen to Coast 103.5, right? And they're playing Christmas music this whole time. You know, and my, you know, I'm not saying we never listen to it or not, but a lot of them is like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and stuff like that, you know, and there's all these other songs, you know, and, and I guess if you like it, it's not like a sin that's going to condemn you to hell or anything, but, you know, um, I just want to be more focused than that. I mean, I just want to honor the Lord. I already told you guys that on Christmas Day, I'm, I'm boycotting the Lakers Heat game, you know. Because so many people are like, Christmas Day, all oh, the Lakers are going to play the Heat. I just can't wait. Kobe versus LeBron. And I'm like, you know what? Just for that, I'm not going to watch it. My Christmas is going to be about Christ and every day that leads up to it. When the angel came and he gave the revelation about that day when Jesus was born, he said, there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's where I want to focus. That's what I want to dwell on. Because I know, I know the days we're living in. Yesterday we went out on the streets, uh, the jet team, Jesus evangelism team. And we went out on the highways and byways and we're talking to all these different people. And the first place we went to, we went over here to Lambert Park. And it was kind of empty. And I'm like, oh, Lord, we probably shouldn't have come here. I'm making a mistake. And there's no one here. And uh, it turns out that there were these four young guys that just got done playing basketball. And so I felt kind of funny, but I started running after them. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, am I desperate or what? You know? <laughs> I started running after them, you know, and I, and I caught up to them. And there was four young guys. They were Asian guys. One of them was a Buddhist. One of them was an atheist. And two were Catholics. And, you know, they, a couple of them never heard of Jesus. They never heard of Jesus. And, and, you know, when I was thinking about that, I'm like, Lord, there's so much work to do. Remember what Jesus said? He said the harvest is white. I mean, there's a plentiful harvest, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers, right? And you know, what's, what's, what's wrong, you guys? What's going on in the church? Well, a lot of times is the church is asleep in, in the light. That's why they can't fight. You see, we need to see these things and realize there's got to be an urgency within us, man. You know, we don't realize who Jesus is. We don't realize he's the Savior of the world. We don't realize he's the Christ, the anointed prophet, priest, and king. And as king, he should rule over my life. He really should. As a matter of fact, it kind of goes together with that last title right there, which is the Lord. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And as the Lord, he should be the ruler of my life, the master of my life, And either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You can't say, hey, God, I'll give you this day, but not this day. You can't say, hey, God, I'll give you this part of my body, but not this part. You got to give God 
everything that you are. See, that's what a Lord is. And I encourage you guys to know what happened on that Christmas night. And so what do you think? In looking at that, that you found a Savior, that the Savior was sent to save you from the power and penalty of sin, that the prophet was coming to give you the God's message, the priest was coming as mediator, that the, the king was coming as master. What do you think about all that? What does it do to you? Does it make you want to sing? Does it make you want to celebrate? It really should. As a matter of fact, that's what we see happens next. Look at verse 13. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, and that's what we should be doing, you guys. We should be praising God. And I know some of you here are a little bit more like cool, like you're mellow, like, hey, I don't do that, you know. <laughs> but I think you need to be a little, 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 little bit less cool, man. I think you need to like celebrate. I think you need to jump for joy. I think you, even if you've got to go into your garage where no one can see you and just scream out loud, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending Christ, the messenger, the mediator, the master, the savior from the penalty and power of sin. There was no hope. There was no hope. But you gave me hope. There was no love. You've given me love. There was no peace. But you've given me peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. And that peace right there is not just speaking about a peace where there's no more war between North Korea and South Korea. It's not the peace he's necessarily talking about. It's a different kind of peace. It's a bigger peace. It's a peace between you and God. Because apart from Christ, we're his enemy. And you don't want to be the enemy of God, do you? Well, we were his enemies. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. And so now you can have peace with God. Now you can have the peace of God. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's your friend. It's really cool. Philippians 4.7 And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. You know, if you don't have peace, man, it's crazy, huh? Life is crazy. You know, you don't accept who you are because you're not really realizing you're accepted in Him. When you don't have joy for the journey or peace for the path, it's crazy. Um, We have a lot of people nowadays, very anxious, panic attacks, all these things that are going on. And yet the Bible says that he came to bring peace. Not just a perfect peace, but not just a, a partial peace, but a perfect peace. Because Jesus said that he would give us his peace. You know, one of the things that I love, and I, and I share this with you guys from time to time. In verse 14, notice it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I think that that's really what ministry is all about. It's for the glory of God and it's for the good of the people. And you can summarize it just like that. 
And so we live our life and we thank God for the incarnation. We thank him for the revelation. But what are you going to do now? Well, next comes the investigation. Because look what happens in verse 15. It says, And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The angel said in verse 12, if you go back there, verse 12, the angel has said, and this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And so they go, okay, let's go to Bethlehem. And God obviously led them, guided them. It wasn't a real big town. And the sign was that they would find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Here's the key, though, lying in a manger. And that's what we see right here. They went. They were in a hurry. They came with haste. They found Mary and Joseph, and it says, and the babe lying in a manger. And when you have that understanding of the incarnation, okay, I heard that God came to earth. Pretty interesting. God came to earth. And then you have that revelation. Okay, this is not just your typical baby. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. He's the Lord. Then what do you do? Well, the shepherds, they went and they conducted their investigation. Okay, let me see. Let's see what this is all about. Let's see if he has like a glow around his head. I'll bet you he does. Have you guys seen one of those Catholic images, man? His baby, he's got a little glow around his head and all the animals are like worshiping. It probably smells really nice in the stable. And No, they went and they found this little child in an animal feeding trough. And the God who made everything the God who spoke everything into existence by the power of his word came into life. A poor couple, a poor teenage couple. I mean, you know, if you had your choice of, you know, your child being born, wouldn't he be born at least at, you know, General Hospital? I was born in General Hospital. I mean, at least there, you know, but you'd probably pick Kaiser or you pick one of the nice hospitals, you know, or um, at least he'd have a nice little pillow for his head or you know, uh, you know, and you would pick all these things. This, you know, the family that's ready and they have, you know, a beautiful crib in their, in their room. And that's what you would pick, right? But God chose to give his son to this teenage couple. They went to Bethlehem. There wasn't even any royal reservations for them, man. They went to Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the inn. So they end up in the, in the place where the animals slept. And, and God came and, and, and there his son was born. And without a doubt, there's a message in that. And that is that our God has humbled himself. So that you and I would understand that wherever we're at, it doesn't matter if you live in El Monte or Nazareth or El Dorado or, you know, it doesn't matter that God, God is willing to come to us. And when you see him there, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would think like, well, if I want to show him off, I would show like a glow. You know, maybe, can you imagine a newborn baby maybe already kind of sitting up and teaching the word of God or something, you know, walking, doing something crazy, you know. But just seeing him there, and I know this, I know this, that they saw something special about this child. 
And you know, when you look at that, you guys, I think that we need to come away with the same understanding. You know, but the question is, will you, will you seek Him? What are you going to do with your life? You know, what, what's going what's gonna to consume your time? What's your passion? You know, I know for me, and, I, and, I, and I've been a Christian for a long time now, I'll be honest with you guys, you know, by God's grace, I'm hungrier than I've ever been in my whole life. I want to know Him more than I've ever known Him in my whole life. And I pray that that would be your passion. I pray that would be your heart. You know, and, you know, I, I'm sometimes, you know, the Lord will lead you to fast and do different things. And, you know, wh- what do you fast for? Like, if you're, you know, denying yourself of food, or, or what are you really praying for? And you're passionately praying and praying and praying. I'll pray, you know, for that individual, they're, you know, not saved. Or for this individual, they're sick. Or for whatever those things are, whatever those big issues that you have in your life. And we all have big issues, right? And I'm not saying that you should not really, you know, seek after those things or pray for those things. But the, the main thing that we should be fasting for and praying for and asking God to do in our life is for us to know Him deeper than we've ever known Him, to enter into a deeper relationship with God. Because when you have that, everything else comes together. You don't have to seek after a deeper relationship with anyone else. Seek after a deeper relationship with God. And as you do that, it's so amazing. You know, we know later on when Jesus was a little bit older, probably two years old, that the wise men from the east, they traveled a great distance to seek after him, huh? We read that in Matthew 2, verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And you know, when you look at the study today, you see the incarnation, you see the revelation, you see then the investigation where these shepherds went and they wanted to find out what this was all about. It's so cool because that's what God wants us to do. You're like, this study right here, it's just, just a little, little tidbit of information that's intended to stir you up, to drive you to your knees and to send you out of here saying, I want to know everything about Jesus. I want to know everything about Christmas and the celebration that rocks the world. And the wise men, you know, it says they worship him. Now, if we were to ask the world today, like, what's a definition of a wise man? What would you say? The world would say, oh, the wise man is the one with the college education, huh? The wise man is the one with a high IQ, huh? The wise man is the one who has a lot of common sense, huh? But for us, we know the wise man is the one who seeks after Jesus Christ. That's the wise man. You know, yesterday, one of the conversations we were having was having with this young guy. And he was telling me that he just got done doing his confirmation and, you know, going through all the the, the rituals and things like that. Um, But then I come to find out that he's not even a believer. It's kind of funny. I don't know how he did that. But, you know, he said, you know, I don't really believe like religion, heaven, hell, stuff like that. And so my heart went out to him. I said, you know what? At least you're sincere. At least you're honest. I said, but tell you what, man, 
If you look into the evidence and you search these things out, you're going to find this is all true. And so I tried to bribe him. I said, hey, come to In-N-Out. I'll meet you at In-N-Out. We'll have a double-double. I promise you only spend a half an hour with you. <laughs> and you can investigate these things for yourself. You know, I don't know where you guys are at today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're there thinking, man, you know what? That guy's weird. He's, he's like a Jesus freak, you know. He's, you know, across the line. He's over the top, you know. I... I don't know why he's so, you know, dogmatic about this stuff. You know what? It's because I know it's real. It's because I know he's real. And because I know that a lot of us here, you know, we find ourselves, you know, just falling asleep. And yet God has so much more for you. Remember, the music of Christmas is love. And when you hear all those Christmas songs, it's a love song about how God loves you and how God wants to use your life. You see here, the study of the incarnation, the revelation, the investigation, which would then lead to the proclamation in verse 17. It says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which is told them concerning this child. They made widely known. Boom. That's not real complicated, you guys. That's what we're supposed to do. Make widely known. What does that mean? That I want as many people as possible, as much people as possible, to know about Jesus Christ. You know? And maybe that means meaning to put like a, an ad in the Times. I don't know. You know, call up Eyewitness News. I don't know, but we got to get the word out. That's what they did. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. See, when you go out and, and you know, I don't know how you guys start your day, but you wake up in the morning, you go out and you say, okay, Lord, I want to tell someone about you. You know, D.L. Moody had that in his heart. I think I've shared this with you guys before. That's why he was such a great evangelist massively because he was a great evangelist personally. And so he had a conviction in his heart. He said, you know what? I don't want a, a day to go by without me telling somebody about Jesus, you know, sharing the gospel with somebody. And I'll never forget, I read one story about one night he was just about to go to sleep. He's in his PJs, right? And he's about to go to sleep. And what ended up happening was he, you know, he remembered, oh, I haven't told anybody about Jesus today. And so what did he do? He said, ah, he got dressed. <laughs> he went outside in the middle of the night. He saw the guy crossing the street. And he said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Led him to the Lord. Went back to home. Went to sleep had that conviction in his heart. But how many of us here, when was the last time you witnessed? When was the last time you, you had that burden, that passion to tell people about the Lord? See, there needs to be that proclamation. That's what they did. Some will marvel. Some will ponder them in their heart. But as you scatter the seed, God will do a great work. And so what ends up happening? Well, this couple right here, they dedicated their son to the Lord. We close with this in verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And we close here in verse 21. 
It says, and I'm sorry, 22. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And we see here why the father chose this couple. Because they were just in love with God and they did things according to the word of God. And as they circumcised their child on the eighth day, they named him Jesus just like God told them to. They did what God told them to do as parents. And as I shared last week, there's a lesson here in, in parenting. Just to do things God's way, you guys. Don't, you know, give in to the peer pressures of the world or the things that you think should be different. You just do things God's way and you watch how God will bless your life. And so in closing, you guys, I want to encourage you to keep Jesus in the center of the season. You know, don't let it be the materialistic stuff, although that's part of it as far as giving and symbolism of how God gave. But let it be gifts from the heart. Don't be like, oh, i got to do it. Oh, I can't believe it. They probably want something, you know, expensive or whatever. You know, you give it from the heart. You give it out of love. You give it as the Lord would lead you. And I want to encourage you guys, have a, a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, Christmas season. I read this uh, story on the meaning of Christmas and how it's not to be materialistic. As a television interviewer was walking the streets of Tokyo at Christmas time. And much as in America, Christmas shopping is the big commercial success in Japan. And so the interviewer stopped one young woman on the sidewalk and asked her, what is the meaning of Christmas? And so she thought about it. She thought about it. And she wasn't really sure. And she said, I don't know. Is that the day that Jesus died? And then the interviewer thought about it. And he said, you know what? There's some truth to that. Because we replace him with all these other things. You know, my kids, they never knew about Santa Claus. You know, when they got older, they started saying, who's that guy in the red suit, you know? <laughs> you know, and you might be thinking, oh, man, you're being legalistic now. You know, what, why Santa Claus? Why all these other things in life? Why not just let it be all about Jesus? I think that's the way it's supposed to be, you guys. May God give us that strength and that conviction to never forget. And Lord, we thank you so much for your word and Lord, for allowing us to be here today. Father, I pray that it would be all about you. Lord, help us not to be caught up in this world and the things of the world and they feed us and they lead us. We have these trends of society that are not biblical, Lord. Father, I pray that you would have every part of our heart, Lord. I pray for every single person here. And I pray, Lord, for those that maybe during the Christmas season, Father, they, they get down, they get depressed. Oh, Lord, I, I know it's real. I know it happens. And so, Father, today as a congregation, we lift them up to you. Praying, Lord, that you would minister to them, that you would strengthen them, that even to go against the grain and to be able to see the simplicity of your scriptures, that it's a day of good tidings, of great joy. For there's born to us on this day in the city of David a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us just to stop and to prepare our hearts for this season, Lord. May you bless, may you give us a fire like never before. Lord, may you do a mighty work in every heart here. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.